I'm gonna lead us off. <laughs> I just totally stole it from you. I was just every time every time we get ready to go, uh, I I make sure to say what the uh, what the uh, date is, and uh, I just realized that my favorite month of the year is already half gone, just sucked up by work and uh, September. Yeah, I always loved September because when I was a kid, it felt like it all just. Uh, uh, this was where all the fun stuff started, but the more I think about it, no, it's unfortunately just a transitional month of allergies, um, misplaced heat, uh, mm. failed rainstorms leading to just humidity, and uh, the leaves. Let me tell you my favorite. Yet. Let me tell you my favorite thing about September. Hey guys, welcome to Minefield. Shut up. My name's Joshua Michael. <laughs> this is my best friend Colin, trying to steal my fucking thunder. I do the fucking intro. <laughs> not you. I, I do the, the Star button. Trek not intros, and I'm button. fine with it. You're gonna get 700 <laughs> hours worth of content of start me <laughs> doing know. Star Trek intros. I know because we're gonna start doing them in a row now. <laughs> yeah, we're thinking that. that. Anyway. <clears throat> Yeah, I keep I keep thinking about it and like oh it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be good shit and then I start thinking oh shit like we're gonna be like it's gonna take us like five years to do <laughs> well I think I think what we it's like what we said the other day and I don't mind sharing this with everybody it's the idea that we could do you know we could take one Sunday a month and just power through four hours of Star Trek or something like that you know once we once we get sponsors we can totally fucking do that. Hey, yeah, sponsors, if you're uh, listening or interested uh, and you like Star Trek content, wrestling comics, or uh, other interesting uh, pop culture phenomenon, I know a podcast you might be interested in, and it's us! And it's me! Um, Yeah, man, what, uh, jeez, you had a hell of a weekend, didn't you? I had a hell of a weekend, man, uh... First uh, debut working for Colorado Springs Wrestling as uh, just their on-site correspondent, uh, just uh, independent from minefields, and uh, got to cut my first in-ring promo that I had two bullet points for and went out and just fucking hammered it and did a really good job. I mean, I was really happy with it. I got a lot of good feedback from it. I got some uh, – the, the, the worst feedback I got was like, well, man, if you're going to be a face – I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you're a face <laughs> yeah no, no, no not a face uh, <laughs> not with that hair <laughs> yeah uh yeah no not at all and uh you yeah but that was... face. you're gonna be a baby face you're gonna be a uh you're gonna be a born-again christian character um yeah you're gonna my... start wearing a sweater like bray wyatt uh <laughs> no <laughs> no i can't do it can't do fucking white meat baby face bullshit <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, the the show at uh, Colorado Springs Wrestling, uh, the Friday Thirteenth show, was a fucking kick ass show. A lot of great, lot of great wrestling. My homeboy uh, Javier uh, won tag team champs uh, with his with his homie right now. If, if I'm spacing on his name right now. His tag team champ because it just happened so fast. And then on Saturday, I went out to the New Era show to see a few of uh, some really amazing people that are behind the scenes just as amazing as they are wrestling. And I was a little bummed because I had to go by my, I had to go by myself. Everyone was like, no, I don't want to go or I can't go. And so I'm okay. So I go early and I got most of my books read at mile high before I was waiting for the show to start. And I got a really fucking killer front row seat, which is like, I want to say a foot and a half away from the ring. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
got like six books read and I'm sitting there and people keep recognizing me, which really was absolutely humbling. Uh, Also, uh, the people that I've done stories for came up to me as genuine friends uh, rather than like, hey, thanks for the article. No, no. They came up like, oh, my God, what's up? Like hugs, bro hugs. Uh, when uh, Jesus was coming out uh, and was doing his uh, uh, Balaam Lynx was coming out doing his uh, around the ring thing, I held my hand out and he's like, "My man!" and just grabbed me and just fucking crushed me. He's and just like it was, he meant it. And I met his I met his mom and his dad. Um, I I uh, told them how inspirational he was to me about like cutting the sauce out and. Oh, cool. They they were just beside themselves. They were like, well, not beside themselves because of me. That's not what I'm saying. But they were just like, because this big stranger came out and approached them, and um, like I knew it was his family because well, the dad looked like him. I saw his brother. I recognized him from some photos. But like, it was like a, a gaggle of Mexicans all wearing his shirt. And I'm like, that is so fucking rad. <laughs> they were there to they were there to support him. And god damn, did he like his his match stole the show. It wasn't the it wasn't the uh, the the um, the main event which it should have been. Uh, that was a that was a really good six man tag uh, that went down uh, with a couple homies of mine. But um, yeah, Balaam Linksman, like he he really put the work in. He actually got hurt. Uh, we don't know if he's injured or or, or hurt yet. But um, uh, I'm praying to whatever will listen that he's just hurt, not injured, and he can get back on those uh, on the iron pretty fast and uh, and get back in the ring because man, like that, I've seen some videos of him and it's you, you just see someone improve so fucking quickly and because they put the fucking work in, not because they took a uh, a shortcut or something like that. Man, did he do some great high flying like. Uh, when he's like, what was your favorite match? I'm like, dude, yours. I'm, like, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass about that. Uh, honestly, it was my favorite match because I forgot to, to <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I forgot to critique it. I was that into the match. I was that much of a fan. Like it, it, the, it, it, like when, you know, when you, when someone serves you a gourmet meal and you forget to enjoy all the aromas and, and the palate or whatever the fuck they, yeah, words yeah. That and I'm use. thinking about it and I'm like, that's a, and, it's a weird, weird mind space to be in when you're just and too into what's going on. You, you just dig it and you can't stop it. Like, I don't know what this is, but I want more. And like, you should be savoring it, but like, you're, you're a kid. I was geeking out. Like, like if they would have been selling his action figure afterwards, I would have been like, mom, I gotta get that fucking action figure. Like, that's my dude. That's my dude. Uh, Colt, um, sorry, uh, Damon Ace, man, him and Jason, man, they had a, they had a match, man. Oh, dude. Like, uh, Jason's been getting, getting color out of people for a while now. Uh, yeah, his name's Jason. And uh, we're actually gonna have him on the podcast. This, I'm gonna interview him this week, and um, it it was brutal uh, what he did to a guy that was uh, I want to say a solid foot taller than him, because uh, Damon Ace is a big motherfucker, and this is one of dude this this guy's one of the ponies, man. This is one of the betting ponies that yeah. he's this this is gonna happen for him. Um, he's just you know just starting now. I, I want to say this is probably his fifth match, and. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, I was treated with great respect, um, r- regardless of what I do. And the crowd was really into it. 
um, the the champ came out and he's everyone turned their back on him and he's like oh. he gets up in front of me yeah everyone stood up and turned his back and I didn't because I was like man this is great like his gimmick <laughs> is he's just a, his gimmick is he's just a shithead fucking uh, redneck guy and uh, some girl called him out in the crowd because he was if anyone wants to fight me and it was it was this girl's first match she was it was one of those plant things where she was mm-hmm. like and uh, so she got a championship match her very first match and she did a kick ass job a straight up. Uh, dual gender match. Yeah, straight up, straight up, yeah, awesome. straight up dual gender okay. match, and uh, it happened because he came out at first and started talking shit about women need to be in the kitchen, and like it was fucking hilarious, and people were booing him and having so much fun, uh, just hating on this pure heel, and this girl's like, yeah, she gets in the ring, and she, the only thing I didn't like about her was that she skipped, and she was. She's brown and she's Mexican. She skipped, she, like on the way into she, the ring. No, and she was when she got into the ring when she it was actually time for her to have the match. She started skipping around. I'm like Jesus. Okay, somebody likes AJ Lee. Like fucking make <laughs> it that obvious. Um, uh, that was the only thing I didn't. That was the only critique I, that like popped out of my head that I didn't really. Uh, I was having that much fun that, and the same thing with the well. Um, when it came to the the Colorado Springs match um, matches, like I was running sound, so I was I was oh, doing really? like ten I was doing like ten things at once, so uh, I didn't get to fully engage the way I was at New Era that night. But everything that that, that was I was a part of everything that I saw, um, the Jimbo and the Jimbo match, Jimbo Lucas versus uh, um, Logan Austin was man that was that was killer, and that was the fucking opener. Yeah, that was that's that's who I work for now, so that's pretty cool. Damn. And yeah, they they didn't. No one's giving me shit because they know I'm, you know I'm I'm part of this organization now, and you know they they know we're they know we're separate. So that's we've really put our foot down, and it's it's a good job. But man, I'm sorry that was like ten minutes of ranting about that, but I needed to throw that down. But um, Jesus, and then yesterday I just did chores all day, and then but I grilled with, with my dad and just had one of those days where it was just good to be alive and just soaked in like the best things, man. That's freaking nice, man. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. I had you to look up that date, uh, for one of the things we were going to talk about. You've had a pretty visitor lately. How's she doing? You, you, uh, just, you know, it's been rough for her, but she's, she's going to be fine. Everybody should, you know, it's a lot to, lot to put up with. Am I exposing you? Are there any like really hot comic book nerd chicks out there that you're going to get on the podcast per se that uh, are are, <laughs> are giving give, give, giving it up Some and also like, uh, <laughs> yeah. juice per se? Uh, yeah, what a great episode. Yep. Exactly. Burn the burn exactly. down the hot topic. Yeah, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, so you know, one of the uh, the goths versus the vampire kids in fourth grade at South Park. Elementary. Oh my gosh, that is a riot. Uh, no, I had an. Uh, I I had a. Uh, you had a weekend being a good guy, didn't you? And getting so. work done. Yeah, 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 you did. Had a friend in from out of town, young lady that I used to date uh, several years ago. We looked into, you know, a lot of the old. We we scryed into the past, I guess, and we we're just, you know, yeah, we kind of have a thing every five years. So that was it right there. Nothing like getting haunted by the ghost of pussy past every now and then, right, yeah, Betty? Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Just I've always tried to be the uh, an appropriate person. 
and that's that's what I want. That, that's what I want to say about that. I try as hard as I can to be an appropriate person, and uh, uh, yeah, it's not exactly. This isn't the word. This isn't the most loaded conversation. I just don't feel like expounding upon it all. Let's let's talk about Jojo Rabbit, dude. Yeah, I'm very excited about this show, uh, this movie coming up. Uh, what it, I think I just saw that it. Yeah, it comes out on October 18th. Um, a buddy of mine in uh, Oklahoma City posted the trailer for it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I checked it out, and I was like, oh, this is a new Wes Anderson show. No, it's a uh, Taika Waititi movie, and if you watched Thor Ragnarok and liked it, uh, let alone any of his other work, uh, this is totally right up your alley. Um he, of course, directed Thor Ragnarok, and he's directed and produced and is starring in this uh, as Hitler. So this is a uh, this is this is a very stylish uh, World War II comedy taking place in Germany, and it's about a little boy who's ten, who's in the Hitler Youth, and he has an imaginary friend that is Hitler, that is constantly getting him into trouble. And, and his scoutmaster uh, is a fucking uh, Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. His, yeah, like his Hitler. One of his Hitler youth leaders is Sam Rockwell. Uh, Sam Rockwell is not a Nazi. Sam Rockwell, a phenomenal actor, uh, who I mean, we should. He should be in every. He is so good. He I'm so proud he won his Oscar. I, yeah, he deserves every possible accolade. He is one of the not, best actors of our generation. Not that I give a shit about the Oscars. But the fact that that man's been working that hard for so long and everyone's yeah. like I, – I feel like he's like, like the diamond in the rough type guy and they finally paid attention to him. Even though it's like – like the same way I felt when Trent Reznor won his Oscar. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think like, that there's a lot of unsung uh, performers out there. I think Garrett Dillahunt is a guy that's been badly overlooked. But he was a lot hotter in the uh, uh, early aughts. Uh, when he was like on Terminator, to the TV series Terminator, and then he was in a movie with Sam Rockwell, uh, the um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, he'll he'll always yeah. be Guy Fleegman to me from Galaxy Quest, crying to the whole. <laughs> but did you see, have okay, folks? I don't know if you've ever <laughs> checked this out, but while we're on the Sam Rockwell uh, excitement, if you haven't seen Gentleman Broncos. I recommend it. If you like Jermaine from, uh, or wait, is it Jermaine? If you like, um, if you like the uh, Flight of the Concords, who the crap is it? One of the guys from that from that is in it. Uh, I think it was it's in Men in Black Two. Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, Men in Black Two, number three. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah totally. I mean Men in Black also number three. I really liked the Men in Black Black Three. Um, you know, you know who would have been. Hold a on, Rockwell? hold on. So, oh, sorry, gentlemen, sorry. Broncos for real. It is Jared and Jerusha Hess who uh, brought you Napoleon Dynamite. So, if you liked Napoleon Dynamite, this Number movie is not Napoleon week. Dynamite, but it also kind of is. And Sam Rockwell is in it. It's about a kid who has. Uh, Dude, we're on a tangent of movies. Based, we're let's let's have like some fucking fun. Six, we're minefields. We're playing like fifteen we're, degrees of. Taiko we're walking Matisse. through minefields right now. That's just what minefields. we do. Minefields. Yeah, so uh, gentleman Broncos, kid in Idaho, homeschool has a he, he's written all these like cheesy sci-fi novels, and whenever anybody is reading his book, or whenever he's telling people about his book, the movie shifts to a depiction of that story where Sam Rockwell is playing his protagonist, and it's freaking hilarious. 
uh, because it is so low budget. Um, but it's totally a different production design than the rest of the very contemporary movie. Sam Rockwell. Awesome. So going back to Jojo Rabbit, it's also got uh, Scarlett Johansson as the little boy's mom. And uh, it just looks super cute. Obviously, he's going to find a Jewish girl hiding in his hiding in his house and he's going to have to make some hard choices. Uh, it just it, it looks like a really endearing movie. Uh, and I'm, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. it comes out on October 18th. I don't have gonna, any other ties to it. I'm just saying, I think that the, just look up the trailer, Jojo rabbit. I'm going to pretend I'm working at one of those shitty rags. that used to work for him. <laughs> like and I need what? you to need you to review this movie. Okay. It's as if the guy who did direct, who directed <clears throat> Thor, you know, he directed Thor. You loved Thor Ragnarok, didn't you? Cause you loved the Rugrats and Mark Mothersbaugh did the music. Cause you loved that pop culture reference, didn't you? Well, guess <laughs> what? That same guy just did the uh, basic Nazi version of Drop Dead Fred, but better. <laughs> Drop Dead Was that the one with uh, Fred Savage, or was that... Uh, That's Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. That's Phoebe Cates. I'm thinking Cates. of Little Monsters. Yeah, you're thinking of Little Monsters, which was terrifying, by the way. <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of scary. Alan Cumming, Alan Cumming? He was in that as the bad guy. He was scary. Was he boy? Yeah, I think he was. I'm was that the that villain? Up. I don't remember. Yeah, he was the villain. Like he was like that. The little more. All right, this is gonna. Dry. If that was Alan coming, I'm gonna nuts. While I'm looking this up, uh, what I wanted to say a minute ago uh, before you so rudely interrupting me, interrupting you, um, uh, <laughs> was that uh, not to get on a, a bummer tangent here. Was it you know who would have been one of the next great actors of our time would have been Anton Yelchin. Oh please, uh, yeah, no, I can't. I, you guys don't want to hear me weep. I worked with him on a movie. He was a total doll, a total. Dream. You can tell everyone just yeah, loved just, him. He oh was man, the sweetest person. He was so kind. Uh, that last scene in Star Trek Beyond, or not Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness, when. Yeah. They are panning the shot across the entire Enterprise crew, and for some reason, all of that, everybody's looking up at Captain Kirk, talking about, you know, what they're supposed to do. And Anton is not; he is looking down at the ground, and then, you know, and then he was he was tragically killed. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't know it, why, but that shot always really rings to me. Well, it wasn't Alan Cumming in uh, Little Monsters. It was actually oh. the guy that played the guy that played Boy was actually Frank Whaley from uh, he was Brett from Pulp Fiction. You know, check out the big ring on Brett. <laughs> like that was that no was kidding. him. Yeah, that was him. He's in a bunch of shit. Oh, You'd be dude. like, dude. <clears throat> yeah, I've been listening to a uh, a song repeatedly by The Midnight, and they took scenes from a Frank Whaley movie with. Uh, Jennifer Connelly called Career Opportunities. Oh, dude, that was that was so long. I remember that movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember being advertised and then just drying up and disappearing. I've never seen it. But, like, for whatever reason, somebody edited those scenes into that song, and it's freaking gorgeous. Uh, man, I'll have to look up what that song is. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Frank Whaley. Wow. He was in Hoffa. He was yep. in what? Wouldn't he the have- Doors? Was he? Uh, yeah, he, he was in the door. Broken Arrow. He was in Broken Arrow. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I swear he was that guy from Hostel too, but I'm, I guess I'm incorrect. What's he doing mm-hmm. right now? 
Let's see. Painting Christmas, The Shed, Interrogation, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. He was in one oh, episode. Oh, he's in Jack Ryan? Killer. One episode. He was in Luke Cage for a while. Awesome. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that. Maybe it's Flock oh. of Seagulls. I guess uh, Space Age Love Song was tied to um, career opportunities. Well, if you're bringing up a flock of seagulls, are you talking about Pulp Fiction? Because he's like, you, flock of seagulls, get up. He's not talking to Brett. He's talking no, to no, the no, guy no. in the house. I'm saying that uh, when I – because I didn't realize that that movie existed. Or I'd forgotten it since it was such a sh- short-lived thing in theaters. And um, it didn't have a very big like DVD cult following, I think. And uh, so I, I, I've been listening to Synthwave for a couple of years. This – I think it's a Midnight Song hit and uh, – that video happened, and I was like, "What is that? What are these scenes from? This is a Jennifer Connelly movie I've never seen before." And then tracking it down, and then realizing, "Holy cow!" That like that uh, Space Age love song, which is a big hit in all the new wave nightclubs I've ever gone to, uh, was was uh, I guess released as part of that soundtrack. Yeah, it was another mm-hmm. generic white guy that was, uh, was in Hollywood. Pretty Hulk's cracker too. white, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's one of the reasons I'm not an actor because everybody, I'm everybody. I'm what everybody looks like. I don't have any, I mean, I don't think I'm super appealing otherwise. Did you peek at Sexy Planet? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) shit, dude. Uh, Yeah, Uh, yeah, no, consequently I did. For, and and because I want to be a shithead and I'm not going to get too crude on this (laughs) one, by the way. I promise I'm not going to get too crude. how dated that is. I actually say what the next year is. Uh, in, that I, script, I, in that script, I wonder if uh, I've told this story <laughs> before, but I knew who you were before I actually yeah. met you, and I, you sounded like a complete asshole, and I wanted nothing to do with you. I can't because because uh, Matt and uh, I was dating Heather, and Matt, her brother, came in with what was that other pussy he hung out with? He hung out with. I'm not uh, gonna say anybody's a pussy. I was friends <laughs> with all those people. You carry on, uh, Jeremy. Jeremy, they they come in calling this, calling that. This is our movie we made, and it was hilarious. I'm like, man, this. Colin this, Colin helps us. He's, oh, man, Colin's the best thing in the world. I'm like, fuck this fucking guy. And and I saw the movie, and you look like an asshole. That was the point. (laughs) And I immediately did not like you. And then um, it always bothered me that Matt had a way hotter girlfriend than me. You sound like someone um, with a lot of flaws. Oh, oh, totally, totally. And uh, uh, a couple years later, I closed that deal, and then I also closed the deal with Jeremy's girlfriend at the time, too. And boy, did he fucking hate those guys hate my guts. And I hope they do because I gave them fucking good reason to because those guys were dickheads to me. And the whole wow. time it was like, I fucking hate Matt and Jeremy. <laughs> well, it, it was happening and and it made it that much sweeter that, you know, like if you're working at a restaurant and you can buy the food, it tastes good. But if you steal it, there's got that extra steel and stolen flavor. Right. And I, I took a lot of Waffle Houses. I took my reward. Anyway, wow. Okay, wait. Full circle. How's the story end? Oh well, then I came uh, off like a dick because that's what kind of a character I was performing as in a in somebody's short film comedy. Oh, okay. uh, And then then you ran into me and immediately was like, "This guy's amazing." Yeah, yeah. That's literally what happened. Like, yeah. I was reading a Dawn comic. I didn't want to get up and I purposefully did not stand up to, to shake your hand. I because <laughs> I was like, I don't I, I'd been drinking the mist all day reading Dawn. You come up to me. Are you reading Dawn? I'm like, wait a minute. How does he know what I'm reading? I'm, it's on the you cover, want a shot? Dude. 
You want a shot? No, it didn't have the Actually, fucking name right. on it. Actually, you're right. That was one of the ones that didn't have it on the cover. It didn't have the fucking name on it. It was Lucifer's Halo, man. And it yeah. was just a straight up perfect portrait of her. And I was like, you're like, that's out of print. And I'm like, yeah, it took me a long time to hunt this one down in this condition. And I was like, do you want a shot? And you're like, sure. <laughs> and then and then we forgot Haley and Jonathan were even in the room at all. We spent oh, like yeah. the next six we killed a handle of whiskey that night, and we both drove home. <laughs> and um, and not together. yeah, not together. But uh, yeah, I, then I just courted you, and then I'm sure people are like, "God damn, they tell the story all the time." We got comics. They probably do think that we tell this story over and over again. Well, then they can kiss our ass because they haven't found a best friend, and they'll know what it's like. Anyway, best friends, friends. Mm-hmm. We need best, best friend shirts. We do need best friend shirts. Uh, not froofy ones. Like we need them based off of the tag team wrestlers. We we, we need official Minefield best friend shirts that are always going to be <laughs> on our pro wrestling tees website, but are always somehow sold out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we only made two. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. What do you want to talk about first? What, sh- what 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 did you read this week? What's your first thing? Well, I want to get excited about Gary Larson uh, hinting that he might be doing the Far Side again. Oh, damn. That's a good – yes. I'll take it. Now, now for all you homies out there listening, not the far side, P-H-A-R-Y. Uh, no. We're talking about F-A-R-S-I-D-E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you got to think about it. I think in, like two entire generations have happened. I mean the what do you best, think? How long is a generation? Is it 25 years? At least one entire generation has come – into their own and not experienced the far side in print. I've, I've thought about that question actually. And, and my conclusion is if you were born the year I was a junior or a senior in high school, mm-hmm. you're the, you're the next generation, the next generation. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited. And honestly, uh, I'm, I'm excited to purchase a fucking, uh, tear away 365 calendar again because those are the best calendars those are rad it's better than any family circle calendar or freaking marmaduke these are all new so, so you all of all of our subscribers and listeners that don't know what we're talking about i mean the far side was a a single panel satire comic that was in the newspapers for i don't know how long decades and um they might somebody is probably like they're you know doing reprints or something like that because you you're it's like is Jim Davis they're, still doing Garfield? Yeah, and he's he's selling original art to make money because no one gives a fucking shit about Garfield anymore. I mean, my my boy, my little boy has read a lot of Garfield comics. I remember going through a massive stint when I was a kid, reading every Garfield book I could get my hands on, and like little kids love Garfield. So I dig that that works, but like, yeah, newsprint is not the medium it used to be. So releasing your comic in such a way, the exposure doesn't, it just doesn't play like it used to. Um, is is uh, your boy old enough to get introduced to Calvin yet? See, yeah, you know, definitely. I, and in fact, that's one of the things that drove me crazy because years and years ago, like when he, maybe when he was six, he, uh, I was like, oh yeah, you should look at my Calvin and Hobbes book. So I gave them to him, and his mom was like, oh, he's too young to understand this. I don't even know if he can understand oh, Jesus. all of it yet. And but uh, you know, so he's got them, and that's one of those things that I'm like, if I go over there and find out that she gave them away or something like that, I'm gonna be hacked. 
Did you ever read uh, Bloom County? Uh, I tried to because uh, I was obsessed with the, wanting to be make a be a comic artist, and yeah. I I tried to get all the comic strip books that they had at the library. Mm. Uh, I checked them all out, but I didn't like Bloom County. Bloom County was like a very very particularly eighties book. And then it tried really hard to maintain its relevancy in the 90s, even going so far as to change the – like giving all of these characters like a metaphysical change uh, to say this is the 90s and this is how things are now. Um, and uh, somehow I just don't think that it persisted. But uh, yeah, these are great books. Like if you're in a thrift store or if you're in a used bookstore and you see these things, go check out Powell's Get books him. and – Get in uh, Portland, Oregon, or the Strand in uh, in Manhattan, or something like or, that. Uh, or Poor Richard's here in Colorado Springs in particular. Yeah, go to Gardner's Used Books in uh, Tulsa, or uh, Half Price Books in Austin, or Oklahoma City. Uh, there's book there's great used bookstores everywhere. I've gotten I've gotten some gems from that Half Price book in fucking OKC, man. The one on North May. That one is super legit. The one on the south side is pretty great. Uh, I got um, I went on a wild tangent when I was doing jobs in Austin. Because I, you remember, I'd call you up and I'd be like, "Okay, hey, I'm going to this uh, going to this bookstore tonight." You'd be like, "Hey, what's up? What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm gonna go eat. I just got off work. I'm gonna go to a uh, bookstore and I was looking for Daniel Close books." And, oh, nice! Uh, I found a bunch of them. Um, but then I ended up getting that one full, that one that complete set at uh, Austin's Best Comics ABC. They need to do like uh, an omnibus coffee table book. I would spend one hundred and fifty dollars. I I am not going to say it had everything. Like it didn't have Wilson or Icehaven or whatever. But all of the twentieth uh, century eight ball was collected together, and I've got that. And it's in a hard. It's, it's it comes in a slip case. It's a two volume piece. And uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, that's I, wonderful. Like that, that needs to go next to all my Strangers in Paradise books. Oh, yeah, that's nice stuff. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, but yeah, what are we, I don't want to be gonna, too what, much. What did you read this week? Oh, we've yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. And mm-hmm. by a lot, we've got a lot to graze by because a lot came out this week, but not a lot of it was that relevant. Yeah, it's still good. No, I still got that, stuff on that. my list. I didn't get the opportunity to read yet. So I will get right. to it. Meat and Potatoes this week is going to be Daredevil 11, uh, Doomsday Clock number 11, King Thor number 1. Wait, Doomsday Clock? Oh, Doomsday Clock, sorry. Yeah, Doomsday Clock. Uh, Orville World of Avis number 1, and then we're going to touch on The Beauty number 29, Doctor Strange number 19, Silver Surfer Black number 4, Event Leviathan number 4, Hit Girl number 8. And maybe if we've got a little bit of time, we'll talk about the newest Kick-Ass, which is one away from being done. What do you – Tell, tell me about the Orville, man, because I didn't know this came out. I'm pissed. I let's see here. Yeah. The, um, okay. Yeah. The Orville. It is. It's billed as uh, like World of Avis one, and I thought, okay, so it's it's another it's another two parter or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, it is, but it's actually the Orville issue number three. So. Um, <clears throat> It's just, I don't know, it's just the Dark Horse, the, the cover of the Dark Horse comics is, they're not going out of their way to make you really apparent, or make it really obvious, like, that this is all part of the same thing. It just seemed like it was its own uh, thing, because I missed issue two, and uh, so that concluded that storyline uh, that we 
we got initially. So this is a David Goodman book uh, with uh, David Cabeza art. It does a really good job. All of the characters look individually specific like themselves. I really love that. Uh, and the color is really, really nice. Um, there's some gradients, but mainly there's uh, when you get into the characters in their uniforms, they're kind of flat, but that also kind of propels it into that spaciness that makes some sense. But I, I will say there is there is you know some shadows and dimension and stuff like that. They do a good job with it. Um, I also dig that it's not just all about Captain Mercer. It's definitely about his entire crew. I feel like when you know like when you when you watch Star Trek, you've got the core characters and stuff. You've got that on the Orville, but like it really is going to focus an episode about this guy. And Trek was good about that, but usually it's blended out because you couldn't solve any problems without everybody. So the Orville in this issue is focusing on uh, – actually, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, the engineer. Um, the black dude? Yes. Yeah, he's got to be I lo- I, Lamar. I love that guy. Uh, it, Lamar. Lamar. He's got like a – he's got a really cool like name in real life. Pike I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah. I'll look it up while you're anyway, talking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it focuses around him because they encounter a character that uh, he went to, like, fleet school with, you know? Like, he went to Starfleet Academy with, with her. And um, the crazy thing is, uh, initially they're like, oh, hey, there's this transport, and it's on a beeline straight for Krill space. And the Krill are more or less the Klingons in the franchise. And uh, they have a god that they worship called Avis, that is very, you know, anybody that's not us and anybody that doesn't worship Avis is an infidel and we're taking it to them, you know, we're going to get them. And uh, so they absolutely hate the, um, uh, God, what is it like? Or they hate the government system of the Orville. It's, you know, it's just whacking me out, man. It's been months since I got to sit down and watch any Orville. So I'm not, it's just like, the vernacular that's particular to the series is not coming to me. And I read this thing, but I just don't feel like that stuff was the stuff that mattered. It was all about the situation. And then it was also about like the ability to take things seriously or not, because it's funny. The Orville comics are appropriately capturing the, uh, the atmosphere of the show. You know, you've got, hey, blah, 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 we're in a realistic situation, and we all have a job to do, and we know what we're supposed to do, and we know what our pecking order is, and then someone will just throw out a line like, that's a ship full of assholes. And you're just (laughs) like, I guess that's kind of what it would be like. But, you know, I never served on a Navy ship or something like that. I can't imagine some young ensign, like, turning and looking at the captain and being like, you know, hey, that uh, that that uh, Chinese destroyer over there seems like they're a bunch of tool bags or something. It just because it's it's supposed to be funny. But anyway, the point is that they uh, they encounter this this little passenger ship that's on a beeline for bad guy space, and um, they realize that these people have a lot of issues, but they are who they say they are, and it's not like some trick to start a war necessarily. They ultimately determine that the uh, the crew on this ship are... They're, for one thing, they're like, oh, yeah, we're xenobiologists. They're particularly fast... Or xenoanthropologists. They're particularly fascinated with krill culture, but not only that, they worship Avis, the krill god. And they're right. human. 
So that's a huge switch. Like, you would you ever imagine encountering something like that? Never. Exactly. So, but like, this is the show that will go there. That will say, like, "Hey, well, what if they surprise did you with that?" Yeah. And yeah, the uh, anthropologists are not supposed to be uh, violating some sort of rule where they're uh, investigating something uh, objectively that they actually worship. That's 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 interesting. Yeah, and the characters are kind of sitting there going, uh, religion? You guys, uh, A, you know, we live in our advanced society. Um, but that's ridiculous because, like, the Mocklin, they've got their religion, you know? Boris and then uh, any number of other characters are sitting there and they're like, no, this is what I do and this is how I, you know, I pray or whatever. But, like, the krill, the idea that humans are suddenly just going to be, or if, for that matter, the other alien crew person that's a... Uh, that's on that transport is just like, hey, I know I'm going to worship Avis. And it's like, well, did you just get taken in by the idea or what? And they, they basically say that's the case. So it's part one of a two-parter. I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, obviously, if you're going to do anything appropriately with a, with the characters in, the, in a story like this, our protagonists need to change their take on things by the end. They can't just walk around being glowing, perfect examples all the time. And I think that that's automatically seen. We live in a culture right now where there is more science worship to be, and that, I don't know what, anachronistic? Is that is that the right word? Um, there's yeah. more science worship going on than actual just, hey, yeah, it's science or religion. There's, you know, just like basic worship of a deity. And I mean, I can't turn on social media without somebody dissing people who are believers in favor of science. It's just constantly like, but science, you know, fuck you and fuck your faith. It's disconcerting to me as an American to just constantly be encountering that. So that's what I really appreciate about this, hoping in the end that, you know, Captain Mercer is the one who's basically saying, you guys are being crazy. Not only are you on a, on a collision course with enemy space, they're going to kill you when you get there, whether you worship Avis or not. And you're also rational people and scientists. So why would you be experiencing any kind of a faith? And that I, that's the thing. Like I grew up, Watching Quantum Leap, which is a show about a scientist who believes in God and prays and who is faithful. And when he can't tackle it on his own and he can't and Al can't tackle it on his own or together when they can't do it together, they pray. And in the end, generally, they either find the fortitude to take care of things themselves or something miraculous happens. And then he leaps out. And in the end of that series, the answer still more or less came down to a, deif- a, de- you know, a deity, a god. De- a deification of something? or more, just Not that it was a deification, because I think that implies actual like, verb action. Yeah. Just, and it, 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 it was God. I dig that story. I like that story. It can't always just be, you know, blah, 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 and there was no God or whatever. It just, it that just drives me crazy. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to live in the world where we're accepting of everything. And what I'm finding more and more is that people who 
are supposed to be the most accepting of stuff are the most closed-minded. And so you've got the captain in this issue being that guy to a degree, and it's a shared concept. Everybody's looking at these people going, they're crazy. I hope, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what they do in the second issue, or the second part of this story, issue four, uh, to see just what it develops into. What are they going to do? What are our protagonists going to figure out and understand by the end of this? How would this change them? Anyway. I, I, I like to think of it like in the future that they're in right now, I figured they would have come to the point by where magic and religion have met. Like in, in my opinion, yeah. that's it, like it's, Thor it's too, or Krull. Yeah, it's two constants headed in the same way you're just looking at them from different perspectives and one group of assholes thinks the other group of assholes is a bunch of assholes and that everyone else is wrong and if you don't look at it the way we do then you're you're stupid and that that tribalism is not something uh i would want to subscribe to as someone that was trying to use his actual brain despite the fact that i'm still a human and i still live in tribal society i have my tribal group of friends and i'm fiercely protective of i have my tribal group of of these people over here that we were we're in this tribe here and uh that's probably not a good way to think about things um good way to have like fun cultural identity is that what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel like i've got a few different cultural identities like it's different tribes but um you know i i it, it makes me worry that i'm a what is it a jack what they say about constantine a jackass of all trades master of no <laughs> master of nothing yeah. and the fact that like the orville's actually conquering or trying to attack that sort of mentality like jesus we haven't even come to that point where even civilizations that are thousands of light years older than us are still worshiping avis or sacrificing people or trying to eliminate entire galaxies or enslave them because they don't believe in what they believe in even I mean, if they did believe in them they would still try to enslave them as, as people who are watching Star Trek, I mean, get ready for Deep Space Nine because there is a lot of religion in that show. And it's not overwhelming. I don't feel like it ever gets to be a pain in the ass and it never hits you over the head. But I don't – and it, I'm in, I kind of want to go back and watch all of the Orville now and look at Seth MacFarlane's take on it because I have beef with him uh, in the way that he well, – Why do you have beef with him? Well, no, I, I, my, my complaint is, like, he's got this awesome show. He's got The Family Guy, which is not South Park. I think South Park is the cartoon series that has best perpetuated the, the doofiness of our society, of all world societies, for the longest, you know, career run. Everyone... Everyone's a target. If we can't attack everyone, we attack nobody. Sure. And then uh, the family guy tries to do it, but I think it's also falling into its own um, its own wagon ruts, definitely like The Simpsons did years and years and years ago. Like I don't, I don't think I've watched The Family incredible. Guy. Huh? I don't think I've watched The Family Guy episode in maybe like 12 years. I definitely quit watching after a certain point. And um, it's okay. This is my complaint. 
you're everybody's picking everybody's picking on something. I'm fine with that. And I remember there was just an episode where um uh Stewie and Brian were trapped in World War II or something like that, and uh, there was like a temporal causality loop. Like somebody had to sleep with somebody, or they had to get somebody to sleep with somebody so that they could uh, perpetuate their family. And there was just a uh, there was like a McCain Palin button on a on a. They're like, oh yeah, blah blah blah. These guys are Nazis, or these guys are evil, or something like that. And they were wearing McCain right. Palin button, and I was just like, you just lost me. Right there. What a pain in the ass. Like, seriously, you, you've got to, like, there's no point in, in jamming that in right here and right there. There's, it doesn't make any fun. It doesn't make anything funny. It doesn't make anything do anything. It's just that we are constantly kicking particular segments of our society. Popular culture is constantly kicking one, one or two different parts of our society in the dick. Endlessly. So, hey, I, look over here. Don't pay attention to what really matters. What Let's really talk matters, about though. something. I mean, like we're we're looking at this. We're looking at this freaking comic book, and it's it generates this entire controversy in my mind. And it's all these things. It's these. It's cellular memory in me. No, you're of right. All of these things that I've experienced watching Seth MacFarlane's particular shtick over the years, and. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the Orville is a whole new direction. A, he didn't write this issue. You know? Did, a, did you say the credits already? Yeah, I did, in fact. Uh, let me, I've got yeah, them pulled up on my you doc file you, yeah, here, you, but you, David you, Goodman you said, wrote it. You said Starklings, and, uh, like, that's, okay, now, now I remember. You're fine. Yeah. So, but, uh, uh, you know what's funny you say that? Um, I'm... As a kid, um, I was talking with Gunther and Ivy the other night, and we were discussing. <laughs> when you, know, you were a why kid last night. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, like like ten thoughts in my head. Uh, mm-hmm. With Gunther and Ivy a couple couple days ago, and we were outside chain smoking. Just we just uh, wrote a shitload of AOW, and um, yeah, we were just shooting the shit and. Oh, hey, we're different having, aspects. We're having some technical water. problems, everybody, but it uh, looks like we got Joshua back. Yeah, can you hear me? Got it. Yeah, they were talking about their daughter and, you know, what 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 Lavender wants to read. And I'm like, but, you know, I just brought up, like, there's a certain thing about comic books that I I didn't have friends. But, like, I would come home and I would reread these comics over and over and, and like, a, immediately just said, you know, just – it, it, I remember watching the movie Matilda and reading the book. It was one of my favorite books in my in my entire life. Mm, and watching yeah. her cry when her dad freaked out on her and she's like crying and she's having trouble reading because she can't focus enough to get back into the right state of mind to be, to be in the pages. And you see the tears hit the pages. And then Ivy's like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, what? And she's like, Matilda's the whole reason Lavender is named Lavender. And I was like, oh, well, sweet, like, you know, that extra that extra bond. Uh, what I'm getting at is what you're talking about when Family Guy being some sort of voice of a culture and losing itself after X many years because it's pretty shitty writing. <laughs> and and what really – you asked what really matters. 
yeah, should I pay attention to what Trump's up to right now? Should I pay attention to what the Senate's up to, what they're paying, not paying attention to, this weird bipartisanship that's not happening? Uh, should I pay attention to how everything's going to sleep, what Anonymous did last week? Um, should I pay attention to Brexit? Uh, should I pay attention to some asshole named Boris that's uh, uh, fucking prime minister right now? Uh, blatantly racist. Things are coming to blows in parliament right now. Should I pay attention to what's going on in Pakistan or uh, the the unrest in Afghanistan and the uh, civil upheaving in Iran? Uh, we've asked ourselves but, in, in session, in recordings, we have, we have been what, here before. What are we what supposed little, to care about? What little do we know about what's going on in China and how, like, little bit they have to show the world despite the fact that they they're probably way more advanced than all of us we have no idea the fact that i should not go even near a, a, a yahweh fucking phone um uh japan sending playstation 5s that haven't happened and no, i'm just that's a that's a shitty joke or what my point is i feel like we've lost control like i i feel like a civil unrest wouldn't would would not in any way produce anything other than pain and misery and now this is what we have this is what i care about i care about stories i care about writing stories that someone would want to god what 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 did what did what did colin write that josh drew uh goddamn like today sucked and i'm actually going to use my eyeballs to read something and hold something physical uh does that make sense yeah more or less I'm trying to figure out how it all correlates back, but I mean that's that's like I say, it's, it is an it's, entire it's sociocultural memory that is built on a lot of different experiences that trick us into. Or it's not necessarily a trick. It's just like you know, I'm picking up this one comic and I'm reading it and I'm experiencing the entire Seth MacFarlane experience that I've had. Because of a couple of lines of dialogue and a, a lightness of Seth MacFarlane as, as hand-sketched, which is an iteration of him that somebody else wrote, you know? It's just... Mm. But still, it's a premise. I guess, you know, that's one of those things. It's one of those Comic-Con questions. Hey, have you talked to Seth MacFarlane about this? and Or is, are these all your ideas? How much, you know... Uh, direction do you get from the show and you know are these tossed away plots for the series or anything like that or things of that nature but yeah let's just, move on yes yeah. let's it's, let's, this, let's talk about some sh- let's talk about some shittier let's talk about some shittier comics uh before we get some better ones i'm going to talk about uh hit girl number four <laughs> hong kong part uh hit girl number actually number eight part four of four hong kong written by daniel way Goran Parlov artist, uh, Giada Marchigio, colorist, Clem Robbins, letterer. Um, Daniel Way wrote it. It's a quick one and done. Uh, out of four comics, there she's in a quick adventure in in Japan, and I'm surprised that this was all that Daniel Way had to work with. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if he was given like a very short amount of time to do this, considering they know that his run on Deadpool was, in my opinion, the definitive run of Deadpool uh, back from 2008 until, I want to say, 2012, maybe 13. And 
I think he was trying to make chicken salad out of some chicken shit, and he did his best. Uh, the artwork is lazy. <laughs> wow. The artwork is lazy and a lot of talking heads, and uh, he did his best to – I feel like he did his best to work in uh, the hit girl quips that we're used to that should happen. I mean like when I see hit girl, I see – from the, the original movie Kick-Ass and the original run that Millar did with uh, Junior Junior, mm-hmm. I see a lot of things that people just couldn't get enough of and are doing everything they can to integrate it into uh, pop culture. That's It's part of their euphemisms and their uh, random parts of their discussions with random people to make themselves more, sound more interesting. Um. And it deserves that. It was that good. Like the, the old stuff is that good. Uh, I'm not wishing it was that good or it was the old stuff. I'm, I'm still wishing it's good. But when Hit Girl looks and the camera shows over motherfuckers because her dad just got burned on – burned alive and is dying. But I, I see that as one of those things that like, oh, Deadpool should say that now or uh, while he's eating a taco and wearing a Golden Girls t-shirt. Um it's hard (laughs) it's hard it's it's a slippery slope and i think daniel way did his best and i'm it's over it's done (laughs) and that's all i gotta say about that and they introduce a new group of inspired japanese kids that are gonna be all superheroes and Fucking whatever. Um, there was one comic uh, I want to talk about later. I forgot to mention that I really want to do uh, meat and potatoes on this one. Uh-huh. Wonder Woman number 78 we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, what comic did you read that wasn't that good but it was still worth talking about just a little bit? Just a little bit. I've got to say the new Doctor Strange. It's it's all fallen way off after uh, the most recent uh, storyline. How do you follow that? <laughs> um, you know, it makes sense to have – You try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense to have Doc Strange going out doing things by himself or, you know, just, hey, okay, I, I, you know, I just got to do some pulling cats out of the tree type of stuff. Uh, but um, unfortunately, it just seems completely uninspired. And uh, so this is Doctor Strange 19 with Mark Wade and uh, Jesus Saiz, uh, who also inked it. And... Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not... The artwork is definitely way better than the most recent run, uh, but uh, it's also really computery. It's com- very, very, very digital. Um, I didn't get through half of it. I liked... Uh, it's basically, in this one, you know, you got a, a mom and her kid, and they are driving through the night, and uh, then she encounters a ghost in the road. They get into a car wreck, and the ghost is tied to that spot. So that was kind of, okay, you know, we don't see that very often in comics. I kind of dig that. There's, there's got to be a way to dispel that stuff. It'd be kind of, I, I always thought, you know, hey, I've got a Lego city. We're going to have Doctor Strange there. We'll get our Lego Ghostbusters in there. How would the Ghostbusters and Doctor Strange interact with one another? Like, Ray would love Doctor Strange, you know, and Egon would be fascinated. But, like, Whatever, and I was like, okay, so what? So ghosts in the Marvel universe—we haven't exactly encountered that before, but uh, 
Doctor Strange manifests himself and he's like, I got to save this kid's life. He needs brain surgery. I can't do it because my hands are ruined. So he goes and he uh, finds an unspeakable cure. And ultimately, he has his hands back. That was the choice. He could be vaporized permanently uh, and leaving the entire, our entire dimension open to demonic rapture because he can't, you know, be Doctor Strange anymore, or he'd get his hands back. And so now we've got a Doctor Strange who can perform miracle surgeries and stuff like that at the end of this. So it's not exactly a great story, but in the end it was, uh, it still kind of had a one-shot feel, but it has a lasting impact. We can have Doctor Strange be a doctor on two fronts now, you know? Okay. I think that's cool. It just, hey, it's better to do it somewhere in the future. And I just, I don't know. I feel like the idea that he would have to get his hands back in a uh, in a story needs to come from a bigger, more important story. Like, that's something you build up to. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, as, that's as much as was really relevant about that particular issue. All right. Uh, let me uh, pull up the next thing I want to kind of put over but still shit on <laughs> kick ass number 17 steve niles writer niles wow. and uh artist marcelo frushin sonny go colorist john workman letterer um we're winding up a story we're winding up a story kick ass is at the beck and call of her brother-in-law who is a criminal that when she decided to take up the helm of kick ass uh, actually found out that her bro- her brother-in-law is one of the main criminals and she puts a bullet in his head. He lives when they pull the plug and now he's blackmailing her and making her do jobs for him while she's trying to take out the Russians and still maintain her control as much as she can. And we've got one more issue left and I just want it to be over and the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's just run its course, hasn't it? It really has. It doesn't have the Ghanas that Kickass had when it was. It, like it wasn't just because it was a kid. It was someone that had the balls to do something that really hurt. And God, he went through hell and back. I mean, like in the in the movie, he gets the girl. In the book, he does not get the girl. She finds out he's Kickass. She finds out he's lying about being gay and. She fucking sends him a video of her fucking another guy, and he's crying using his own tears as lubricant for fucking masturbating. And it's fucking sad. And it it, it was dark, and it was brutal, and it was the perfect epitome of Junior Junior artwork when it comes to him getting to showcase what his chops are as opposed to just being a stylized kick-ass dude. Mm. And uh, that's all I got to say about that. Right on. What you got left? Got a load of stuff here. Oh yeah, we did. Okay, I think I actually check out on like poo. I we, did do that one, and I did. Do we, that we've one. we've we've got hors d'oeuvres. We're we're going yeah. through. I mean, the ne- the next one, Silver Surfer Black number four, wasn't as astonishing as the last issue, but it was still so damn good. Uh, this, I mean, it's a side quest. You've got a six-parter, or unless you're doing a consistent run, and you're gonna you're gonna take the time to do a side quest, and yet it really, really works. 
Because I think that some of the best stories I've ever read out of the Silver Surfer are side quests. I remember back around the time of the Thanos quest, when Thanos was originally putting together the Infinity Gauntlet, Silver Surfer's cruising around, and he's like, oh, I can feel it. Something terrible is about to happen. It's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. You know, this was the story that immediately precedes him crashing into Doctor Strange's home in the Infinity uh, Gauntlet storyline. He's cruising around, sensing the danger, and then there's a whole issue where the Impossible Man shows up and gives the Silver Surfer a really hard time. And he's like, hey, you know what you need to do is uh, you've got to figure out how not to take everything so seriously so that you can wrap your head around the uh, the importance of what's going to happen. And I was like, man, what a side quest. So in Silver Surfer number Black number four, he's still being hounded by Null, the god of the uh, symbiotes, and he has been rescued by Ego, the living planet. But I can't tell if this is in our universe. I can't tell if this is in another reality or in another time. Because ego is whatever any random artist or writer wants to do with it at any given time. Like, there's no precedent, it seems, except that it's a planet. And after that, they found that there's like a, uh, a, an, infant, an infantile cradle for Galactus hidden within the planet that's kind of killing ego. So... Silver Surfer's like, okay, I'll take care of that if you can help heal me. And they just can't heal the Silver Surfer. And the op- opportunity for sur- the Surfer to kill Galactus in a nascent stage is there. And we get to see Galactus as he was before he was Galactus, when he was a, uh, a scientist in the, and an explorer in the universe before time. And, dude, this is all heady heady stuff and it is brilliantly beautifully illustrated and despite the fact that it's like okay hey it's a side quest it still ends up being relevant because it still it still pushes the surfer's character and i think in the end the choice he makes about whether or not to kill galactus will have a lot to do with how he's able to combat the darkness that is threatening to overcome him and it's freaking beautiful. If you if last... <clears throat> get this thing in trade or in hardback when it comes out or pick this up in single issues, you're going to get mind-fucked by the beauty of what this looks like. By the way, now, um, I had some issues with getting the physical copies of... Because uh, I had them at first and I spilled fucking spilled water on them. Oh, no. Of... of um, all the best. I, my my one and two and three of House of House of X and Powers are fine, but like the the other ones, I, I fucked them up. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Iron Lion, and not only did they have them, they weren't on the shelves. They had boxes on the side, just chilling. And which ones are you looking for? What cover are you looking for? I don't care. Actually, I, well, you know what? Since you asked, I want the uh, the the guy that did the fucking interior work. Okay, that's fine. Shelby went through all the boxes and found me everything I wanted. And then she's, oh no, that's got a ding on it. Hold on a second. I didn't even see there was a fucking ding on that thing, dude. <laughs> like, and she's like, oh no, no, this this isn't. I can't sell this to you. 
found a better one. And then she comes up to me and carefully places them in bags and boards. Like she was worried that I was holding on to them too long in my hands. Oh yeah, store, sure. Which was wonderful. And they bagged and boarded it for me. We had a fucking hoot laugh about what's going on. And, um, it, it was just like, I, I sent word out to my homies. Hey, all y'all been bitching. You can't find any house of X or powers of X right now. Uh, first prints all at iron lion right now. Mm, Get there. Okay. Okay. And, uh, well, anyway, I just wanted to just put that out there and, um, I'm I'm just going back and looking at the trad more art from this, and I'm I'm actually going through and just seeing just did a Google image search of all this different trad more art. He's the guy that's penciling this. It is just unlike anything else that's going on in comics. I, I think I, I I got distracted a little bit. I'm sorry. The one thing I want to put was the last mm-hmm. time I saw Silver Surfer in such distress was when Jim Lee was doing uh, Heroes Reborn, uh, Fantastic Four. Back in like the early nineties, mm, okay. yeah, that was when he was doing uh, that. I'm, I'm thinking of this beautiful fucking uh, splash page where Doctor Doom has the Silver Surfer hooked the fuck up and draining his cosmic powers. It was gorgeous. Ooh, wow! And, yeah, it was great. Anyway, uh, sorry, didn't mean to. Oh, not at all. I'm gonna say, you know, I'm gonna definitely be promoting this artist in the future, I think, and looking for his work. I'm not a fan of the cosmic ghostwriter stuff. And, uh, he had a big, whoops, I accidentally X'd out of it, but he had a big stint with cosmic ghostwriter and, um, definitely worked on something called Leviathan and, uh, Luther Slade as well. So there's some seriously decent content of this guy out there. And I think it's worth looking into. If you happen to be in a shop and, Talk to your vendor and just be like, hey, t- tell me about Trad more, T-R-A-D-D more. Uh, I think it's worth grabbing something, anything. What else you got? What did you read next? Uh, let's see. What else did I cruise through this week? Hit Girl. Uh, Event Leviathan, number four. Let me pull this guy out right here. Where did you go? Number four, six-issue mystery thriller. <laughs> Bendis Malieve. We've got a problem here. Superman is laid out after trying to save the one person they think is connected to Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And he is fucked the fuck up. And Malieve does this beautiful spread of Superman being defeated within the crystals of space time or whatever he decided was reverberating in his mind. The color palette was gorgeous on, on, on this particular page. I'm going to have to post it on, on our, on our website just for everyone to see. And the mystery is who's Leviathan and how has Leviathan really been able to outsmart everyone. Damien Wayne is having a huge problem with this because he's tired of all these adults who don't read comic books anymore or have all these hangups and relationship problems being distracted. And I love that about Damien because he is very vocal and Batman cannot shut him up. And also no one else can shut him up. Even Superman, like he's got his problems and he's, he's, he's the, he's like that kid in, 
in fucking uh, airplane. Like, hey, I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, I'm one of your biggest fans. My dad thinks this, and he's like, listen, boy. <laughs> like, and he's still mouthing off. Um, you know that guy that, that's getting his ass kicked, and he's still fucking talking shit. And that's Damien through this uh, through this particular issue. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through trying to pull up the actual credits here. But Superman has been knocked on his ass. Lois has a lead on a story. And she has taken Batman's uh, $2 million car. And Superman's like, hey, I'll repay. He's like, it's $2 million. Oh, you don't have it. <laughs> uh, little little bit of jokes there. Uh, like I said, uh, Brian Michael Bendis story, Malieve, Art and Cover. Josh Reed Letters, uh, Kare Andrews, Variant and Cover. Jessica Chan, associate editor. Um, it's uh, I, I feel like they talked Bendis after writing so many great Scarlet issues, which have gone nowhere for this far from the second series, into doing something with DC, yeah. and it's going to be fun. I mean, it's been fun so far. It's been a great. It's it's been a great. Who did it? Who done it? Who done did did it? Did it? <laughs> and. I think keep going. Have some fun. Pick up the trade. This is definitely a trade. This is definitely a trade. Uh, if you can find it in a year for six bucks in a bin, have at it. But don't pay twelve or twenty. I am. Um, I'm. It's one of those things where we've been reviewing it. I don't know what's going on. I've got issues. I want to sit down and just read three or four of them at a time on a nice Saturday morning. And really enjoy it because I love Bendis and Malieve together. This uh, is a this is a late night read this in forty five minutes while you're waiting for uh, a better sci fi movie to show up. But you're this, this is the hors d'oeuvre. Okay. Like we, or Jesus, my weird Al just talking about TV and food. Yes, uh, th- this is an hors d'oeuvre. Seriously, it's <laughs> a you, you'll speed through this in twenty minutes. Uh, God, it's one of those things when, when we're together, it'd be one of those things where we can just like pull this up together, get some cigars, we've got a good drink, we'll both burn it out in 20 minutes before we put on a better movie. <laughs> All right. Daredevil, number 11. Daredevil, number 11. Holy fucking shit. Each issue gets better and better, and I don't want it to stop. You felt like this was better than the last issue? I did not feel this, like that. This issue was not better than the last issue. This issue in terms of suspense and in building a better in building this 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 was a building block yeah. issue. Not not a burner in between issue. This was a building block issue. The fact that they had to bring bring Spidey in to sober up that fucking cop that hey, Boy Scout wake the fuck up it's not black and white asshole (laughs) we never get to see spidey act like this never i love it oh it was wonderful and and wait this is like like i'm I'm gonna let you take point on this but i'm gonna say to to just feed it to you building blocks and i'm i'm happy about it because um she's like hey come over i need some dick and he's like nah (laughs) yeah that's true yeah yeah, Daredevil. Uh, that's what. That's one of the things we've been appreciating about this is that he's got this big, 
Matt Murdoch has a big uh, difficulty going back and forth on whether or not he's doing the right things, and he feels terrible because he accidentally killed that guy several, several issues ago. And now he's the, uh, what, the, the uh, parole officer for the brother of the guy that he killed accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't ever, ever want them to come back and say, no, it wasn't your fault. You didn't accidentally kill him. It was another thing. He slipped on his, slipped on a thing or a greasy spot. I don't know. Like something, it was the penguin. I don't know. Something like that. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I don't ever want it to be that way. Daredevil accidentally killed somebody. What I really, really loved was a couple issues later where, like Danny Rand and Luke Cage were like, yeah, we've accidentally killed people. Some something we've done is accidentally killed people. It happens. It's what we do. Matt Murdock can't take it, so he won't be Daredevil. But he's gone out and done Daredevil stuff just out of costume. The thing is that they get they have this big reveal at the end of the last issue where Elektra is there, and mm. now we're getting some wacky. You know, spatial reset thing, battle world. This, I don't know what it was. This, where, this well, was a up, missed opportunity. Where where Matt Murdock used to date Electra, and Daredevil and Electra used to carouse around, and she doesn't know that Daredevil and Matt Murdock are one and the same, or were. She does. She does now. She doesn't. She didn't say. She was like, "You're not being Daredevil. You need to quit. You're not being Daredevil." Daredevil I thought we would do this. I thought that was her telling him, "I know who you are." I didn't get that. Imp- I didn't get the impression. They start I, with her at the beginning. She basically slaps him down real quick, and she's like, "You remember how we were both trained by the same ninja master? Uh, I'm your master now. I'm going to get you yeah. back up on your feet." I'm like, "Well, that's fascinating." But why did she just run away then? Like, because she knows gonna, he's there, though. She's just going to keep an eye on him. Like nobody is more capable of disappearing and uh and uh losing it losing a tracker than daredevil this was a complete missed opportunity yeah i think you're right why why would you bring electra in you've introduced all these brand new people and now you come back with the xxx girlfriend when when you tell me that like or I tell you I'm talking to this person and like God damn it what are you doing that for again, and we we're building up this great story all these new tropes this new noir they're building in mm-hmm. in Daredevil where it's still noir even during the fucking day. Oh no, and I was just thinking about how colorful this is. Yeah. Yes, even during the day it's still noir, and they 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 muddy the waters with Electra. Bring like introduce someone brand new. You've introduced three, five new people that I'm completely invested in, and whoever just showed up, some mystery chick. Uh, why not? It, it would satisfy me as a man that is tired of of talking to an ex girlfriend or getting a, a someone sliding into my DMs or whatever the fuck they say it. I want someone that I want to fall in love with on first sight, and that should have happened in that scene when he got kicked in the fucking face. Someone it could have been the Black Widow. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, no, no, no. Someone new. I'm veto that. Someone brand new. Guy, girl, I don't give a shit. Someone brand new. Hmm. Like the, 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 the cop that Spidey is fucking with and, and like, Hey, uh, you're not really a kid. So I didn't really kidnap you. I really man napped you. And like all these jokes, like, Hey, this dissolves in an hour. 
and he, he still had his gun in his hand and he's like, you're just not listening. Yeah. And Spidey takes off. And okay, so I, I so do you agree think that this? that should better have been portrayed by a new character who no. interacted with Matt at the beginning of the story, and then that should have been the same character, a new character that gets no. It. Spidey was perfect. Spidey was showing a bit of himself I have never seen of him, just like you said too. That's the whole thing. Uh, I can't even ascertain based on what we've done with Spider-Man in the last ten years if that's even really Spider-Man. I have no idea. I still liked it, but whoever kicked Matt Murdock in the head after he said no to some free mobster white pussy, uh, it why Electra? Give us someone new. You've you've been feeding us everyone new so far, and we've eaten it up and never questioned it because the writing was that good. Why did you get scared and then do Electra again? Mm. I'm tired of Electra just showing up. She showed up in Shadowland. Um, yeah, she does. Just just shows up. Oh, dear. No. Foggy is, is at his wit's end with Matt. And Matt's making good decisions now. Like, he's made a few bad ones, but he's on new ground now. Of course you're going to make bad decisions when you're on new ground. He's he's helping out the he's the PO helping out this guy who he accidentally just killed the brother of. He's th- this is all new ground, and you bring in Electra and muddy the fucking waters. I'm pissed. All right, totally makes sense to me to feel that who, way. Who, who would you have written? I mean, like 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 I, I wouldn't have written like some new Bobcat chick uh, or <laughs> the uh, Bobcat, the unbeatable yeah, yeah. girl. Oh God! I, I would have given her some some gravitas, something dark. I, I would have given her extra shadows. I don't know what just kicked him <laughs> in the head. Extra uh, like, let's, shadows. Extra shadows. Let's spend three epi- three issues. No, it should have been I'm- Lady Moon Knight, dude. Uh, no, man. I know what you're saying. It's just you know, you develop a new character, or you don't get Electra outside of Daredevil books. And if you do, it doesn't really work out that great. It, it never works out that great. And so and the opportunity, like everybody, Chip Zdarsky, anybody, they're all looking at it and they're going, okay, blah, 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 and then Electra. They're like, oh, okay, that'll do something. No, oh, great. it doesn't your, your ex do it, fucking you know? girlfriend's here again. God damn it. I mean, it should have been Mila Donovan. He was married to somebody. For in in the Bendis Malieve run, and it was interesting, and it was fascinating, and it was like he's got a real person he's really taking care of that really needs him, and they have a real love, don't they? And it's like, yeah, what if she showed up again? You know, well, I, hey, no, I know that you're, I know that you're Daredevil, or I know that you're Matt. I can't tell which, but uh, like, if you're gonna bring back an old girlfriend, something like that. I will say when they brought back the Black Widow, the, the uh, or the Scarlet, the, sorry, the Black Widow, it was that was a really hot issue, really oh. hot. She was on the run, something she'd been uh, exposed, and she was on the run, and so she ran to Daredevil. You know, that was that this was is really years good. ago though. I yeah, that I, I remember that. That was really good. That yeah. was really really good. That was. Uh, but you were saying, like we're 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 on new ground here. What asshole in fucking Disney said, nope, bring back Electra? Nobody did. It's the it's it's the writer. 
If you're writing Daredevil, if somebody says you get to write 60 issues of Daredevil, at some point or another, you're going to go, okay, i got to do something with Elektra. Period. You know? And, you know, when are you, you going to introduce it? She could be strung out across the next 28 issues, not making any appearance except when she needs him the mo- he needs him the, her the most or something like that, or... She's going to show up and they're going to have like one knockdown drag out. You think about all of these situations in your life and then look at the parallel of Daredevil. Matt Murdock has never, ever been able to get Elektra to just sit down and suss out their relationship. And now it's even more complicated because apparently she doesn't know that he's Matt Murdock. So I think she does. It said that she didn't, dude. Before she says, hey, you're not Daredevil. Anyway, we I'm can not, argue about I mean, that I'm not next reading time. into it. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the fast, I mean, okay, yeah, no, I didn't realize there was as much controversy about this issue as as uh, you feel like. But um, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, totally. I, I hope it didn't offend you, man. No, not at all. Uh, the, uh, the whole business with the Libras family is still carrying on and – then uh, stuff with the Owlsley, with the Owl, that's pretty awesome. I mean, just to have Fisk as the mayor still coming in and being like, hey, look, I told you, you guys weren't allowed to do this, so you're going to have to, you're going to be punished a little bit. The claws, the face were fucking gorgeous. That was pretty cool, but it was also awesome that the Owl was like, no, it doesn't matter. No. You're not our, you're not our no. guy anymore. Uh, even I, I was sitting on the can reading that, and I'm like, he's like, no, and he's like, Fizzy's like no, and I'm like no. Yeah, <laughs> like I had the same fucking reaction. Yeah, we've never seen anybody stand up to the kingpin before like that. that not, unless they were a masked not superhero. Like, not like that. Not already captured and expecting a bullet in the head. No, you're gonna get all expensive shit paid to my private island. Like nah. Uh, you're fucked, and I know what you're doing. I don't give a shit. I'm did out you of here. look? Did you tell me more about the art in this issue? Can you believe the it difference was we have here? So visceral, man. The the scope of everything. My God, I mean, some of it looks like okay. Yeah, we copied and pasted this from a vector file or something like that. But man, I mean, the sketch work for Spidey was true blue superhero comic stuff there were some lazy backgrounds occasionally but then you get others that are absolutely lush and full of detail uh i really love the the backgrounds from the rooftop and i really even though it's subtle i like whatever they were doing when uh, they pulled the owl out of the uh back of the car and they're at the airport beat the, beat the shit like yeah. i did not did not see that sort of thing happening and especially because everyone's so scared of him right now. Mm-hmm. And and then he just like, yeah, fuck you, Fisk. I'm out of here. Just they did a poof. lot with haze and smoke and fog and steam and stuff in this issue. Uh, um, there was like nine things going on this. Like the him being the PO, the mom saying thank you. Do they? Does he know? Did he see? Does he remember? Yeah. Obviously he remembers. Uh, or does Electra remember? Uh, we're we're odds of that. Like Spidey being someone, Spidey's never I've ever seen that before happen before. Last time we even got close to that was uh, in uh, Superior Spider-Man. It wasn't even Superior Spider-Man. It was or Spidey. It was the the Spiders Man or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> yeah. Um. What you got next, brother? 
Uh, all I have left is uh, really King Thor, uh, which was totally Ooh. surprising to me. Oh, baby. I, I thought, okay, oh, another baby. Thor book. Uh, you know, we're gonna How many Thor, concurrent Thor stories are we going to have going on? Are we going to have like an entire X series of stuff? Dude, this one just got epically emotional very, very fast. Because uh, <clears throat> I don't really know anything about what is going on with King Thor outside of the fact that he was just a character in the recent war of the realms. And like, and at the end of that, at the end of the most recent Thor issue, the one we, we uh, reviewed the other day, King Thor and young Thor had a whole conversation. And uh, it's just sad looking at this Thor, Thor has been the all-father for... A millennia? Yeah, a long, 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 long time. And all of the Ten Realms are essentially ash in one this way or been, another. This has been like a year and a half of a storyline that the Aaron's been randomly building in random yeah. Thor issues. This is Jason and, Aaron, by the way. And Isid and, Ribich as the artist... Uh, Joe Sabino did the uh, the beauty of doing lettering on a Thor book. You always going to get to do these crazy fonts and stuff like that. All of these uh, mythical type of scripts. But I, I'm just so happy they didn't throw those stories away when Thor is at the end of the, in the end of the world, taking mm-hmm. care of his 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 granddaughters. Like I remember reading, I, I've got those issues in hand. Where he's taking care of the girls and they're figuring it out and and trying to rebuild Midgard and and okay, where is this going? Like that was a year and a half ago. And now here we are and and, and Loki has something more powerful that Noel and, and then it makes me realize when when did Noel really show up? Was that really just a year ago? And he he already has this much uh, claim to fame in the Marvel Universe in in, in uh, uh, Absolute Carnage and uh, the uh, Planet of Symbiotes and that crazy story with the dragon in uh, Venom and now in Silver Surfer Black and oh now we're in Thor. And, and Null was part of the, the thing that made this weapon even handier to Loki and... <laughs> We're still in this universe that wasn't these and vows and, you know, that exhausting bullshit. (laughs) Yes. Anything that makes it that much more difficult to read, like reading Green Lantern last week, where every different character has their own dialect you have to chew through. Like every time Uh, anybody's ever written Rogue as a character. Yeah, I don't know. really need to trim it down. I don't know anything about these granddaughters. I don't know. I mean, to be picked up and just dropped in the middle of this whole situation, I figured it out pretty fast. And it was like, my goodness. I mean, this was an epic story. This end-all, be-all struggle between Thor and Loki. And I've never seen Thor having to backpedal more. And I don't think he's backpedaling. I think he's just like, no, take the hit. Just keep taking the hit and deliver your own while he sends While he sends Mjolnir into the sun. Oh, yeah. just so it gets hot? Yeah, but it's going to hurt. But, yeah, just oh, a little fuck. bit more. It's another thing. Because at the end, what we realize is that despite the fact that there's worthiness and there is godliness, 
these gods can be petty and these gods can do uh they can they can go for the low blow and so adding a little bit more sting onto something these are warrior gods these are not the gods of our of our world they're not the gods of you know christendom anyways you know this isn't new testament gods these are these are war gods and like yeah 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 i'm sure you know i'm also going to send it through a i'm going to break some AAA batteries over it just so that maybe it'll have a tang when it hits you as well. I don't know, just whatever kind of wacky stuff they can do. But, uh, yeah, they get down to where is Thor actually lying to Loki to break his heart and to just gain a slight advantage at the end? Or is he telling the truth and that in and of itself is even worse? It's just fascinating how powerful Loki is and how much actual emotion we see you always see a bitter loki and a just thor dealing with their emotions but this is just unbridled feeling coming from these characters and it really got me by the end of it i was like man i'm feeling these things it was expertly illustrated as well well it's getting kind of late man we gotta wind down uh not going to really cover the Wonder Woman thing unless you really enjoy uh, emotion. And it was a lot of good times. Um, you hear that the uh, goddess of love is dead and has affected everyone on the planet. And Diana is really in a lot of trouble. So pick that up uh, if you're a big fan of uh, what's going on here in the villain. Um, we're going to wind down tonight. We really appreciate you guys listening to our podcasts. Uh, this is Dangerous. Josh, Michael, and Colin are out.